25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And it feels like, I don't know, I think what it is is we recorded on Sunday last. And so for me, it just feels like it's been forever since we recorded, even though we have recorded this week before. Like, I don't know, this week has felt weird in our timing. And um, I'm glad to be back to some sort of normalcy recording with you on this wonderful Thursday. Hopefully, is the weather turning in Columbus? Because it's starting to turn in Grand Rapids. And I, I can feel myself like beginning to crawl out of whatever this rut that I've been in that I think has been partially predicated by the weather (laughs) like things feel like they're getting a little bit better weather-wise here in Grand Rapids how about Columbus uh it is starting to turn I mean we had our first like all day thunderstorm yeah y'all were about to be like Dorothy like Um, I saw between that between the thunderstorms and the tornadoes on Tuesday um so I think that's always a quality sign of spring fully making its way um in ohio is a full day thunderstorm um and just like so much rain so much rain but i love 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 thunderstorms i don't know if you're you feel similarly i know some people get anxious with thunderstorms but something about it like i'm just obsessed with them like i think they're so calming and i'm actually a little bummed that i don't have like a place to really like see weather in my apartment like i have windows but they don't really like show up they show outside, but there's a building that's, like, right there. And so I don't really, like, see the lightning or the whatever. And if I wanted to, like, I'd have to go, like, outside to do that. And that feels kind of counterintuitive when you consider that it's, you know, I don't know, storming outside. Yeah. No, one of my favorite things as a kid was um, before we had air conditioning in our house, one of my favorite things to do is when there would be a big storm at night and the windows would be open and like sleeping through oh it my. and just like how quickly like the temperature would change so um, good. but then also like we had a enclosed front porch on the house that i grew up in and we had my dad put a porch swing in and so like we also like to just like sit on the front porch like when a storm would come through and like just like yeah i love thunderstorms and I feel like when you're like walking through the air and like you're in a warm pocket and then all of a sudden you hit a cold pocket and then it's warm again, it's just like science is amazing. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> like, it yeah, blows my mind. Tornadoes happen. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. We actually probably shouldn't celebrate the creation of warm and high or warm and cold air together very often because, you know, again, like you just said, tornadoes. That was one of the first questions that I asked. I was like, when I got to Grand Rapids, I was curious about how thunderstorms were and they were like, oh, they can get pretty rough around here. And I said, thank God. Like, I, not that I want people to, like, suffer any property damage or get hurt, but I'm just like, I love a good thunderstorm. And I feel like Ohio, Athens had a couple of gnarly ones when I was down there. But I just feel like because of the geography, there's, okay, this is, I I don't know why we became the Weather Channel tonight, but I'm okay with it. There is some sort of a science behind the fact that there is a valley that is west of Columbus that actually breaks up storms. Mm-hmm. And so Columbus in that central Ohio area, like you get hit with storms, but they're never like as severe as they could be. 
because of that. And that shit blows my mind. Like, how does that happen? Like, a dip in elevation makes it so that there isn't as severe of a storm. I am obsessed. Well, I remember being amazed as a kid when I found out that tornadoes can't go up and down hills. Right. Like, it's not like that thing that you, like, see in, like, animation where they, like, go with the landscape. It's like they would get disrupted by the landscape. (laughs) Like, literally was amazed by the fact that tornadoes could not go up and down hills. Um, That's fair. No, I I can understand that being, like, yeah, 100%. Ah, God, I love storms. Anyway, (laughs) I love storms. I love the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we're in that time of year where things are a little bit slower. Typically, we're starting to, like put bows on it. I feel like that actually should have been the title of the last episode because I feel like I said it 39 times. But it's like everything's starting to tidy itself up. Players are getting invited to go play for their national teams at the World Championships in Finland, uh, which the tickets for us just came in the mail really, really quickly uh, for our, our games that we're going to in Finland in November, which I'm still shook that we decided that we were doing that. Um... <laughs> Because, my God. And the tickets are, like, bigger than my face. Like, I was really concerned about that. And we can also only read, like, four words on them. We're going to have to shout out our friends Julie and Syla to try to figure out, like, what in the world these tickets say. As long as I know how to get into the arena, I'll be fine. But, but yeah. So, you've got players accepting invitations to go do that. You've got players that are, you know, wrapping up the season by doing exit interviews, which we'll discuss pretty much at length. That'll kind of be, like, the... The majority of this episode, we've got some players that are signing contracts, which is really exciting. I think one probably a little bit more um, big name and high profile than the other, but we'll talk about that too. So this is just that time of year where playoff hockey is starting all across the league. And unfortunately, we're at home, you know, watching it. We're watching it, but we're not as invested as we could be because our team's not in it. But they're they're not making it difficult for us to find content. Quite yet. I'm sure that moment will come this offseason, but so far, still a lot of Blue Jackets stuff to talk about. Exactly. Yeah, we're still um, very much so, like, things are still happening for the Blue Jackets. They're not playoff games, but they are things that are important and notable and could very well make us a playoff team in the very near future. So... Yeah, and I think about, like you said, just things are, ha- like, as, as minuscule as it seems, like, the signing of Kirill Marchenko, who is a player who has been really, you know, really, like, high profile for this team as a prospect over the course of the last couple of years. Drafted in 2018, which just feels wild to me, like, that, like, feels like forever ago, but then I remember that that's kind of, like, the trajectory of Russian prospects, uh, where it's, like, Igor Chinikov, like, totally broke the mold on on what a traditional prospect's path is like to the NHL. So, have to remember that. But then uh, Mikhail Putia is finding his way to Columbus. He also signed a three-year entry-level contract. So, um, some new guys coming in, but we don't want to, to disrespect the guys who are here right now. And that um, is the wonderful players who wrapped up their season with exit interviews this last weekend. Uh, you know, just a couple of days after we were, or before we recorded, but then we got the comments from Brad Larson and, and from Yarmo Kekalainen that we want to touch on. So, Laura, what was your key takeaway from these exit interviews? Um, well, should know for people who don't know, like all the player, all the players on the team do an interview with 
Yarmo and Lars, but not all of them do the press junket interview. So specifically what we're going to be focusing on are the six. I'm going to say six. Yeah. I think six or seven. Cole, Boone, Zach, Elvis, Sean, Sean, and Patty, seven. Um, Seven players um, gave. And really, actually, probably only like four because, like, really, like, not no disrespect to the other. In your opinion, I took something from everyone's interview. I did not watch everyone's. So that is probably the first problem i hey i watched the ones that you said i should watch yes but i watched all of them so who's better at their homework you 100 percent. that was never a question in my mind <laughs> um no i took a lot of good things um obviously like that's kind of all the players i listed off it's kind of a broad range um of players and experience levels um And so it was really interesting to sort of hear, you know, obviously you hear a completely different story from Kent Johnson, who has only been in the NHL for what, half a second, like nine games, you know, all that sort of stuff. So most of his commentary is about just like the insane year that he's had since he was drafted um, and all the opportunities that have come to him in that time period to then Cole Stillinger, who was the youngest player in the entire NHL, played um, an entire seat, the only uh, drafted, the only draft pick from last summer to play the entire NHL season, um, you know, all the way up to, you know, our brand new captain who was even himself experiencing so many different things, a, you know, really banger of a year for him to then be sidelined by an injury, um, all that sort of stuff. So I, I garnered a lot of interesting things from, from the interviews, but it will be interesting to discuss our perspectives on that or just my perspective. If it's one Jeremy hasn't watched. <laughs> Correct. I, well, I think about like, just some overall themes before we start to like think about some individual player interviews. I think just one thing that was clear from, from the four five of the seven that I watched, who did I not watch? Who did I disrespect? Sean Crowley for sure. Oh, that's so sad. Hey, you did not say he was the one I should watch. Cause I didn't watch it. Um, and then no, maybe Sean was the only one I didn't watch. Rude. Because when you said that Zach talked about the hockey gods being against him, I was like, I probably should watch that one. Um, So all of that to say, one of the themes that I took away was that the team just seemed like they had more fun this year. Like the team just seemed like they enjoyed the locker room. They enjoyed being in at the rank. Like that to me was the, the thing that was probably the most satisfying to hear. I think obviously you have players such as, I mean, like I saw quotes from Sean's like on Saturday, like all sorts of players talking about how much they love Columbus and how much they have just enjoyed being a part of this season, which is saying something when it's a season that basically from like February on, like January on even like the playoff picture seemed pretty clear in the East. 
And so you necessarily weren't fighting for a playoff spot, but it just was more fun. I think there was a, you said it to me earlier today, like just a breath of fresh air in the locker room. And that to me felt like a huge win because if you're going to have a rebuild and if you're going to have that, you have to have camaraderie. You have to develop, I don't want to say community, but like you have to develop a culture early in that process and you have to develop those relationships to ensure that as you go through the difficulties of a rebuild, you're still relying on each other. There's still brotherhood. There's still that family aspect attached to, to the work that they're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it was touched on by pretty much everyone that this was one of the better years in the locker room than they've seen in the last three to five. Um, And you got to think about it too, in the terms of like, this locker room was, is so many new faces and so many young faces and, you know, it's an entirely different coaching staff. It's an entirely different leadership core, even though they are guys that have been on the team for several years now, they are now in very different roles. Um, You have a brand new captain. And then you also have just a flurry of young guys, whether they've been in the organization, but playing in Cleveland and come up or they're players that, you know, we acquired via trade or, you know, any sort of manner of which we, you know, drafted, whatever, like it's just a lot of new situations and almost like it was kind of fitting too, that they also got to be in a brand new locker room. Like it was this like, kind of like a cleansing sort of situation. Um, So like they're in this brand new space it's a very new circumstance and it was a lot of uncertainty. Like I think that no one would be shocked if you said that our season started off with a lot of uncertainty and very much so started off also at a crossroads. It's, you know, Boone said it, I believe in his where it's like everyone bought in and bought in quickly, which had it gone the other way and had it taken a month or two months, we could have been looking at a very different season. Like we could have been looking very much so at the season that everyone expected us to have, which was bottom of the barrel in the Metro bottom of the barrel in the entire NHL, like laughing stock essentially of what people thought we would end up being. And you know, whether that be because of certain things, you know, changing or of, you know, trauma that the team and the organization experienced over the summer, like something about this group of people really mended itself to each other. And as you look at some of the things that have happened to some of the players over this season, And some of the remarks that these seven guys made, having that family and being there for each other proved to be one of the most important ingredients to the success of this team. And I think that that is something for me that like, 
as a fan, that means more to me than certain things. Like knowing that they want to be together, that they enjoy coming to the rink every day, that they're invested in each other's lives, both on and off the ice. Like that means more to me than, you know, certain other aspects of a season. So for me, that w- that's a huge success. And it, it will be something that I think will be easy to carry forward because, yes, we're going to add some key pieces and make a few changes here or there, bring in people that we've been waiting. But, like, the core of this team is pretty set. Yeah. And, like, so this camaraderie and this energy is going to be easy to transfer into the start of next season. So that, to me, as a fan, like, is really comforting and really exciting to know that they're going to be, it'll be like coming back to school, like at the end of the summer, you know, like you're excited to see all your friends and like, like they all like signed each other's yearbook at the end of the year and they just said hags. Have a great summer. (laughs) Yes. Um, And, you know, having these moments or like getting excited to come back for training camp and, you know, you kind of get the sense of like calling each other, like, every once in a while to see how training is going in the gym and like whatnot. Like, and you know, the group texts will be pretty good over the summer and stuff like that. So that to me is a big, while it's why it's not as disappointing that we're not in the playoffs right now. Now, is there anybody who agreed with you on all fronts? Um, Is there anybody right now that you would have wished you would have heard from in the media scrum after exit interviews. Cause I have one that I would have liked to have heard from that we didn't. Um, I think I would have wanted to hear from Adam Boquist. Interesting. I, I would have loved to hear from all of them. Like I, like I agree. Um, why Adam? I just, I, as you know, and as I've said on this show before, I um, have really enjoyed having him on our team. I think he's a really good addition to our defensive lineup. And, like, I just think him being, like, a younger defenseman, but still had, like, a couple of years, like, in Chicago's organization like it would have been nice to hear a little bit from him but he's the one and maybe oliver so oh i didn't even think about the fact that we didn't hear from oliver that is a little strange to me um mine's jack rosovic i would have loved to have heard from jack rosovic and i think for a couple of reasons i think one of the things that i i was in the process of watching these and i called you and i said these are so uneventful and like only because at at media availabilities like this in the past, we have seen players like Sergei Bobrovsky, uh, Steph Jones, basically like indicate that that they were done, like that they were had no intentions of of becoming a long term Columbus Blue Jacket, and so for that to not be a part of this, that was more of a Seth Jones thing in the exit interviews last year, but. And and to be fair, Sergey Bobrovsky's was you know at the start of training camp, so a little different. But to not have that happen was like really great. 
But to that same effect, I think a lot of Blue Jackets fans, myself, and and I'm going to lump you into this um, included. I want to. I'm like this Jack Rossovic contract situation. Like, could be really interesting. And we've heard so much from Patrick Line, which we'll talk about, just about like how much he loves Columbus and how much he wants to be in Columbus because he sees what we're building and he sees that he wants to be a part of it. But we haven't really heard that from Jack in a in as intentional of a way. We haven't heard the. I love like, and he does. He's from here. Like, I'm not. I don't need to hear that from him necessarily, but I do want somebody to ask him the question. Like, what? Like, where are you at mentally going into this off season, knowing that this is a season where, or an off season where you have to negotiate a contract, and not getting that was a little disappointing. And I'm hopeful that at some point during the off season, we hear about a little bit of the progress being made on the Jack Rossovic front because he complicated the hell out of this contract negotiation with the way he finished his season. And I'm okay with that. Like I'm like, I'll take it any day of the week. If that's a Jack Rossovic, we're going to get day in and day out. Uh, sign me up. Like, but it's just going to be fascinating. And I would have really loved to have heard from him on one, what changed, like what about the end of his season? And, and he talked about it at, in, you know, post game press conferences, but you know, what changed, what, what does your future look like? Like, what are you hoping is next for you? Uh, and I hope that some of our favorite journalism, investigative journalists <laughs> uh, that we know and love will do some work and digging on that to figure out how that's going this off season. Yeah. I mean, I do think that you bring up two really important points too. It's like, I believe they asked, they asked Boone this because, you know, as the captain, like he, he didn't have as much time to do it this past summer because he wasn't named captain until shortly before the season started. Um, but in being the captain, you kind of, you don't have as much say in decisions, but like you still have to be prepared for what your front office and your coaches decide to do because, you know, when changes are made or whatever like you are brought into those conversations so that you can prepare for the atmosphere in the locker room and like and of welcoming any new faces or or whatnot and you know <laughs> they sort of said to Boone like so are you kind of like excited that this is kind of the first off season that the Blue Jackets have had in I don't know like five years where you're not super stressed about a contract or you know or a situation or you know this that or the other thing and he was like yeah he goes it feels it feels kind of nice to go into the off season and have it be you know like a true off season and yes they're gonna make some changes here or there but you know, even in a nonchalant way, he, he seemed pretty confident that like things that people are worried about, like Patrick's contract, which we'll talk about. Um, he, he was like, not stressed about it. Like he just was like, they seem to have it pretty much under control. And as of right now, like there's not going to be any like heart wrenching, can't sleep at night, like circumstances. Um, and obviously, like, Yarmo is the most mysterious of GMs, so who knows, but it does kind of give you that sense of calm um, going into the summer. But yeah, no one's really, like, 
there's been some articles about Jack, but there hasn't really been like an interview with him where someone outright asked him, you know, what are your feelings about staying at Columbus Blue Jacket or do you fully intend on, you know, doing whatever you can with your representation to make staying in Columbus what you do. And like, you know, obviously he has served in roles as of late as kind of an ambassador um, for the city. He and Sean Corrali. Um, Sean, we have for the next few years, like that's kind of a given and it's kind of, you know, the situation like, with Kent and, and Nick, like we have Kent for the next few years. So we don't necessarily need to like stress about that, but the, but you have to kind of stress a little bit about what is going to happen with Nick. And so it's similar with, with Jack. And so um, Jack was there tonight though, at the cannonball, um, one of the few players to represent at this year's event. So at least he's passionate about still participating in those things. Um, and I think overall from his demeanor and his play as of late that he still feels passionately about the direction that this team is going in and that he would like to be a part of it. But yeah, no one's really asked that question. Let's have him on here and we'll ask that question. I'm not afraid. Let's I'm not afraid it. either. I would love to talk uh, to him. Uh, right. But do you know what else I'm not afraid of? Wagering money on DraftKings? Correct. I should probably be more afraid than I am, but I'm not. And uh, let me tell you who knows that, my bank. Um, but hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Um, looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs. Uh, good news with DraftKings same game parlays, you can do just that because you're going to be able to create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored and more is your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets, no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. That's such a good deal that I had to read it really slow to understand that you're going to get free bets, win or lose. I was like, that can't be right. Can it? And it is, it is right. So shout out to our friends over at DraftKings for that. And for the nice little stumper on our ad read this week. But um, the playoffs have been fun. Have you, have you watched a decent amount of them? Um, I try and like, well, I've tried to watch a game a night this week. There are certain combinations that I cannot watch sure. because I dislike both teams. So and basically so like what you're I, telling me is, is the, the Bolts and the Leafs and really that's it. No, I can't watch the Rangers-Pens game either. Oh, uh, I don't hate the Rangers. I, what, what? I don't hate the Rangers either. I just really hate the Pens. And I like cannot. I can't. It just, I can't. 
Um, but I have been watching the um, Panther, <laughs> the Panthers, and the Capitals. The Capitals, and I have watched the Hurricanes and the Bruins. Which is weird because you hate the Bruins almost just as much as you I, hate the Penguins. I do hate the Bruins, but most I would, argue, I would argue that you might hate the Bruins more than the Penguins. I know that you say you don't, but like hearing you talk about the Bruins, I sometimes think that you hate them more. I do have a white hot rage towards the Bruins. You really do. Um, but I did. I also watched. Um, and to be fair, I really didn't watch much of the Hurricane Bruins game. I have been watching. I watched the Wild. And I watched the Flames game the other night. Yeah, that was a good game. I That Wild Blue series is going to be, pun intended, wild. It's going to be, like, very gray hair-inducing. Yeah, it's, like, back-to-back, like, really strange games. But nevertheless, uh, we're not here to talk about the playoffs as much today. Uh, we're here to uh, continue Although our conversation. Did- do you not want to talk about the mistake that you discovered today? I don't know how it happened, and I'm self-conscious <laughs> about it. And I told you that earlier, and I'm now sorry. you're on the show. Just out of curiosity, um, while we're doing this to each other, um, what device have you been watching the playoffs on? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I accidentally, like, I messed up my, my bracket on the NHL uh, playoff bracket challenge, and somehow someway twice picked the Panthers in situations where either a, I had the Panthers losing or B just didn't have the Panthers at all. And so the Panthers <laughs> are winning the Stanley cup per my bracket now, which feels like something that somebody hacked and messed up because as you all know here, I picked the lightning to make it out of the East much to Laura's dismay and had the flames winning the Stanley cup. And that is not what my bracket on our bracket challenge says at all. So I, if I, here's my honest here's my honest truth if i win our bracket challenge i don't really win our bracket like i'm not claiming that victory good because then that because then i would truly win because i did pick the panthers to win the stanley cup are you the only you can't be the only one in that group though i feel like that's a pretty popular pick i haven't looked at everyone else um but uh if the Calgary Flames win the Stanley Cup, somebody's running me my money. Like, I, I don't care. Like, I'm like, it's the decree. I said it on the airwaves. Like, it was you put did. out into the ether. It exists. It exists, damn it. And so I'm claiming it if they win it. But um, all of that to say, I just want everybody to have fun unless they're the Penguins. And the although I was, I can't believe it, I was rooting for the Penguins the other night because, no, you're going to agree with me, so stop shaking your head. Mm-hmm. Um Igor Shosturkin really tried his damnedest to to take um, the most saves in an NHL playoff game record away from uh, Jonas Corposalo, uh, record of 85 set in the 2020 playoff bubble. And um, and he, I think Shosturkin ended the night with 80, no, 75, 78 saves maybe? Yeah, Something it was like, like that. Five or seven, somewhere between five and seven away from Corpy's record. Right, and and I mean like the penguin, and like this was in three overtime periods, not five. Like so that that to me was just incredible. Like, but the penguins are shooting and shooting and shooting. I'm like, one of these has to go in. If one of these doesn't go in, we're screwed. Like this record is gone. 
Uh, and so thankfully one of them did go in. That is the only time I've ever rooted for the Penguins. It's probably the only time I ever will. And so shout out to the Penguins for making me want to know as a Penguins fan. because, <laughs> And that's where I'm retiring. Like, I'm done. Penguins talk aside. That's the most I ever want to talk about the Penguins on this show. Um, let's talk about these exit interviews a little bit more in depth. So we'll start, I'll let you start with Sean Crowley. Cause like, again, I saw some quotes, but I didn't watch the entirety of the interview. So um, feel free to kind of just like give us a little quick spiel on, on Sean Crowley. Yeah, absolutely. So Sean, as we all know, first year as a Columbus Blue Jacket, I believe his sixth year in the NHL, I think he had five seasons in Boston. Um, I'm going to have Jeremy check that while I continue to talk. Go right ahead. <laughs> um, but so, yeah. And Sean born and raised in Columbus came up through the, you know, blue jackets, triple a program. Um, the blue jackets were arguably his team growing up. Um, he, you know, went to Miami of Ohio and, you know, Ooh. then got drafted, <laughs> then got drafted into the NHL, spent some time in Boston and was now getting this incredible opportunity as a free agent to come back to his hometown. Um, and I think one of the best quotes from Sean's exit interview is that he said, I love this city. It's where I grew up. It's where my family is. I love this team, but you never have any idea what's going on behind closed doors or in the front office or anything until you actually come to play for this team. And he said, I've spent a year here now and I am so proud of what I have seen and where this team is going and what they have planned for this team. That is something I'm proud to be a part of. And like, I yeah, think that's, that that's the hmm. quote that caught fire. That's the quote. That's the quote that I had read. And that, yeah. And that's just, it speaks volumes to, you know, everyone that we have, that is a part of the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. And, you know, you know, while all of that stuff shouldn't be privy to, to fans and everything, but you can feel, you can find comfort in that and you can find security in that, that the things that are in place and the things that are planned and obviously, you know, plans can change, but you know, having those things and having someone who born and raised in Columbus, like obviously you're going to have that kind of ingrained pride, but then to come back and see that the organization that you've supported and are now coming back to play for is also something like fully you can embrace. Like that's so awesome. And, you know, also for Sean, like he's such a good, like mid-level veteran presence on our team, like, I think that he has really, and they brought this up in his ex interview, like, like, if you look at the stats, like, every person that they put on a line with Sean this year, over the course of a couple of weeks, their game got better. Right. Like, it was kind of one of Lars's things that if someone was struggling or someone was having a hard time, they put them on a line with Sean so that he could work with them and he could like in his own way, like not necessarily like specifically, but his personality and his way of play makes players better. 
And just the way that he holds himself and the way that he's taken on kind of a unofficial, I call it like a mini Voracek role. Um, he's really starting to find a bit of a voice as a leader on the team. And yeah, it was just really, really interesting to hear, hear his perspective and um, hear how excited he is. Like, to come back um, at the end of the off season and um, what he feels is in store um, for the team. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think, you know, it kind of goes like sometimes not knowing how the sausage is made is like nice as a, as a fan. And I think about like, it's kind of unrelated, but like you and I both have worked at the alma mater that like we like of our college, like alma mater. And so I think like, it's not the same in any way, shape or form, but it's like when you get into those environments and you see kind of like how the sausage is made, like sometimes that can like really like change your perception of, of that organization or of that thing. And similarly with Sean, like that, it has potential to do that, right? Like if you come to Columbus and all of a sudden you have a really shitty experience, you have a, I mean, you don't play well, the fans aren't receptive to you, all that kind of stuff. It could like ruin a huge part of, of your childhood like of like what like was important to you growing up like of like why you are who you are that's scary like that's actually like i don't know if i would ever like if i could play hockey i can't skate i don't know if i'd ever want to play for the blue jackets like that is actually like kind of a really intimidating thing but it's one of those things where i've never really known the blue jackets to have such a surefire like oh this is somebody that the blue jackets are going to sign next season when he's a free agent but i feel like we were talking about sean Corrales signing with the blue jackets well before he became a free agent like it was like a, oh when he's a free agent he's gonna come back like we know that and that was just i think like your like his quote like makes exact sense like we knew from for so long that he was gonna come home and thankfully the experience that he's having is not one that i described where it kind of taints your perspective and your perception of it and so um really good stuff from sean there um the biggest thing that i want to talk about with zach <laughs> is i mean obviously like talking about like taking on a more leadership role and like all that kind of stuff and that's like really good content but it's kind of also stuff he's talked about all year like that's where like these exit interviews again like they to me like just felt like they were you you could have put some of these at the end of like a, a game and i would have like thought that they were a post-game interview nevertheless the whole like getting hit in the face of the puck like countless times at the end of the season and just like the bad luck from the hockey gods comment and, and that kind of thought, hilarious. Like so good. His personality is getting so much better, I think, like in terms of like being not per his personality like as a human, but like his media personality, his outward facing PR personality is like getting so much better as the season has gone on. And so that's been a lot of fun to watch. Not fun to watch him take pucks to the face, but yeah, he's definitely getting, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with him getting comfortable with who he is, like, showing the media, like, who he is as a person. Because I do genuinely think that Zach has, like, a pretty jovial, like, personality off of the ice. And, like, you know, he isn't too proud to make fun of himself, like... He knows that it's ridiculous how many times he got hit in the face. Like, and he even said, he's like, I got a big head. So like, it's clearly like, <laughs> you know, something easy, an easy target per se. Um, obviously a bummer because this most recent uh, situation did break his nose. Um, he told a great story of how he was convinced it was not broken. 
he was like, it's definitely not broken. I can definitely still play. Um, I'm definitely going to world championships, like all this sort of stuff. And he's like, but I'm just going to get an x-ray just in case. And the doctor is like, yeah, no, your nose is totally broken. <laughs> uh, so, um, but so, yeah, so kind of a bummer. He, he did kind of joke. He's like, it just seems that every, he's like the last few years at the end of every season, there's always something with me that I <laughs> have to deal with in the start of the off season. Um, but, and he even seemed a little bit more relaxed. Like they asked him, you know, have you outlined like what you need to work on in the off season as far as training's considered and like all this sort of stuff. And he's like, I, he's like, I honestly haven't thought about it. He's like, right. normally I'm, the, he's like, normally I'm the kind of person that like thinks about that stuff, like pretty much from January on like second half of the season, like depending on where they were and like what he's like, but I've had so much other stuff, whether it be, you know, injury or just wearing a letter on the team and like, or going to the all-star like game and all that sort of, he's like, I've had just so much other stuff that I haven't had an opportunity to really think about it. But, and he even like admitted that he's going to give himself some time off, which I think is much deserved. He's like, I'm really going to take advantage of the fact that like, they don't really want me doing anything to hurt my nose again for like a month. So I'm not going to even really think about it for a month. And then I'll call. Um, he's like, I'll call my trainer in Michigan and talk to the coaches here and see what they want me to do and go from there. So he just seemed more relaxed, which I think is, is a good thing. Yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, he's one of those players that apparently has like one thing every off season that they work on and he will never share it. And so, yeah, it's, it's fascinating that he hasn't really thought about that because he does seem kind of anal about it. So um, pretty exciting stuff there from one Michigan guy. We'll move to another Michigan guy who is still working on the media thing. Um, <laughs> that was a little tough to watch. Um, I think it was only five minutes. Uh, Ken Johnson shared some good things about acclimating to the NHL. Got asked some of the questions that he's been asked after every game all night. What's it like playing with Nick Blankenberg? Like all this kind of stuff, like the transition of this, that, and the other. The only real piece of information is that he isn't going to play in the world juniors. It seems in August, like when that happens, like the rescheduled tournament, uh, no news. I don't think team Canada has released their, have they released their world championship roster? Not that I'm so. aware of. I don't think so. And so the U.S. just released theirs today. So. Right. And so I guess it's possible. Like it's possible that uh, he could play in that tournament, but it doesn't look like he's going to play in the tournament uh, in the World Junior, the makeup that's going to happen in West Canada. But yeah, that's the biggest piece of information there. And also just that uh, you and Ken Johnson share a, a tick. Oh, no. What? So after every, like, question or sentence or anything like that, Ken Johnson said, yeah, definitely. And you say, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, after everything. And I was like, as I was listening to it, I was like, this is giving Laura. <laughs> like, this, like, this part is giving Laura. And I was kind of, it kind of felt comforting to me. It's, a, um, it's a, like an ADHD thing. It's because, like, you learn that you don't have, like, your brain isn't, because your brain's going 17 different miles an hour, like, or 
I, that was even the right terminology, but it's going in a million different places at once. It, it's a, a common phrase that like people can grab onto so that they can give themselves enough time to think of an answer. So, yeah, and I definitely see that with Kent and I hope that he is giving himself a little bit of a break. The kid has played on four different teams in less than a year in major like hockey things. Um, and so I hope that he maybe isn't going to play for team Canada in the world championship just so that he can go home and like sleep for a week, maybe. Um, and just like be a college age kid, um, for a little bit, but Hey, if he wants to go and play, I'm sure Canada would be lucky to have him, but, um, but yeah, it was it was a short but not so enlightening interview with Kent Kent Johnson. Um, but true. was but what was kind of fun was the next interview, which was with our eighteen year old. I was gonna Cole say. Fillinger. Speaking of college age. Yes, absolutely. The I don't know if you know this, but he was the youngest kid in the NHL, um, and he played a whole season as a Blue Jacket. Um, so yes, you know, we make fun of all the things that people like to point out about Cole. Um, and it was, it was nice to hear his sort of perspective on how his season wrapped up, um, and the experience that he had, um, his like mild disappointment that he got sidelined here or there. So he didn't play the full 82 games in his first season, um, but, and I know I said this very early on about Cole, but I think the biggest thing that I took away from his accent interview was just how well-spoken and mature beyond his years that he is. And just how well he can express himself and how well he holds himself in in certain situations with the media and you know big ups to his mom and dad because I have no doubt that they very much so have been preparing him for this um even in talking about his older brother who signed a contract um with the Cleveland Monsters earlier this year um just the like pride and eloquence that he spoke about his brother was just really, really like it just so mature. And fascinating about him and every media thing to me is like, he just, the way he described his brother's development in a way that just sound like it just, you listen to it and you think, Oh, he's talking about his younger brother. Like, no, like this guy is like, five, six years older than him. And yet here he is, he's talking about him, you know, he's like, oh, he didn't start playing in juniors until he was 18. And I'm like checking my watch. And then he's like, oh, and then he didn't start playing in college until he was 21. I'm like, so two and a half, three years older than you were when you made your NHL. So it's stuff like that where I was just like, man, like this kid, and maybe it's because he had older brothers. Maybe, maybe that's part of the maturity. It's his dad, all that kind of stuff. But it's just crazy to me just how, how mature he is like you said it's it's wild and it certainly beats the the media personality of uh, another former blue jacket uh pick and none other than Pierre-Luc Dubois 
Yeah. PL's not strong on the on the media presence. No kidding. But I do hope that we one day get to see the Cylinder Brothers on the ice together. Um, because he he seemed really excited about that possibility as well. And he 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 really applauded Cleveland in their decision to sign his brother, um, which I thought was adorable. But that was the major major takeaway much with Kent a lot of the questions that um, Cole got asked were things that he's been asked this whole season and then at the end like what are you going to work on over the summer and he's just like kind of like a one percent better situation like I want to try and get one percent better every single day and um, come back you know ready to jump right back into things so you know He's also not playing, I don't think. So um, he'll get some nice at-home time with his mom and dad and their dog. It'll be interesting. I don't know if you could keep him off of the Canadian World like world Championship roster if he gets invited. It's just a matter of like whether or not he wants to go. Uh, but I guess we'll see. So then we move on to another Canadian. Uh I, we we actually talked about no order in which we were doing this, so I'm just like throwing people out as they come to my brain, and that's um, now I'm having my ADHD moment. Have we talked about Boone Jenner? I don't think we have. We talked about we him like earlier. Uh, he is the only Canadian left. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're so right about that. Uh, so Boone Jenner, obviously, really great interview as always. Talked a little bit about the challenges of being a captain for the first time, and just like you know, basically just the room again, a lot of the same things that a lot of other players talked about. I'll be honest, like I didn't get much out of Boone's exit interview with the exception of talking through what he was dealing with toward the end of the season, uh, deflecting Aaron Port's lines, <laughs> multiple attempts to like get him to talk about like what exactly it was. But I think, I mean, Boone summed it up pretty well. Like he just got to a point where he wasn't able to play the game the way that he wanted to play the game. We've heard it before. It frustrated him. Um, you know, to the point of tears, right? Like it, it was obviously really hard for him to be in that situation, especially as a leader on this team, but he's in really great spirits. He seems like he's on the men pretty well. Talked about getting back on the ice and, and really getting into his off season routine pretty immediately into the off season, which I think is reassuring as a blue jackets fan talked about some ways vaguely talked about some ways that he can work during the off season to prevent, and manage whatever back ailment he had. Obviously, surgery is not in the question for Boone at this point in time. So we'll just continue to assume that he's on the mend and that uh, at the start of next season, Boone Jenner is going to be ready to, to suit up in the Union Blue, and he's going to be just as good as, as ever before. But um, we'll look forward to to that. But, you know, a lot of good stuff from the captain. He's always a good time to talk to and obviously good to hear about his perspective in his first year as the captain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I agree with everything you said and I think, um, I don't know how full on we'll talk about Lars's, but I think Morris said about Boone's first year as a captain um, in, in Lars's reaction to, to talking about Boone and if for anyone who had, who didn't watch um, Lars's um, press conference on Monday, um, Lars is a very emo emotional man. We know that it's something I love about him. 
Um, but he he got emotional talking about um, just how proud he was of of Boone and what he's been able to accomplish in his first year as captain and his dedication and determination to be the best that he can be for this team and just how devastating it was when Boone had to um, had to admit that he could no longer play through this injury. Um, and I just think that that speaks volumes. I think that that speaks volumes of, of Boone to know that it was best for him and his future and for the team that he, you know, take the time to heal this injury and, just the passion that he holds um, again, you know, like all of them have said, like they believe in what um, is in the works for this team. And and that speaks volumes. For sure. And also that's my tick is for sure. So all of our listeners taking notes of the ticks that Laura and I have after we wrap up a, a statement and we go to transition to something else. Mine's for sure. Laura's is yeah, absolutely. Whoever makes stickers, go ahead and make one for us. Uh, so that could be merch. There it is. There we go. <laughs> so then we look at two players that I think have always been two players that Blue Jackets fans love to hear from. And we'll start with the person who's going to be the story of the offseason, and that's going to be Patrick Lining. So obviously, as we know right now, no contract extension in place for Patrick Lining yet, but something feels different. Like something feels different about this situation in the sense that you have a star player and Patrick line talking about his season, talking about like just how much the team meant to him as he navigated the difficulties of, of an injury, but then also of, of the loss of his father and navigating coming back to play from that. And then also still finding a way to have a successful season and all of this while coming back from a season last year that just wasn't up to anybody's expectations for him, including himself, probably more so than anybody else. And so talking through that, talking through just how much he loves the city. Like he talked so much about how much he loved Columbus, how much he loves the fans in Columbus. Honestly, again, it's the breath of fresh air that I think Blue Jackets fans need to hear over and over again. And I know that if you're a Blue Jackets fan, this been around the block a couple of times you've been here you've done this with players who say these things and then maybe they don't act on it but I think that at least from my perspective this is a little different like I I don't get that impression from Patrick he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who feels like he owes it to anybody to hold back on how he's feeling about something and he's he's done it in the past and I think like even a little bit in his exit interview he did it regarding some of the past situations he's been in uh you know (laughs) talking about how the locker room feels like a family and it wasn't lost on me that he followed that up by saying, and that's how it should be because a lot of the criticism about his time in Winnipeg was that there are a couple of players thinking through like Mark Shifley players like that, that really created environments that like weren't familial and things like that. And now here we are. Winnipeg is, why did I put the syllable on peg um, <laughs> is, it's kind of falling apart. Like they're like looking at whether or not their, their situation even looks right moving forward and I think a lot of that has to do with the culture there and so really refreshing to hear him say that really refreshing to hear him say I want to be in Columbus and using terms like 
what we're going to do in the next few years, what we are going to like, do you know what I mean? Like, I hope that I can play with Jake Voracek again next, like those kind of statements that make me think that a long-term contract is definitely on the table for Patrick Lina. And it's just a matter of coming to uh, agreement on term and, and I guess specifics on, in terms of money, but I don't leave his exit interview worried one bit about his commitment to Columbus and his desire to remain a Columbus blue jacket for the foreseeable future. Yep, you almost said it, and then you caught yourself. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, correct. I yes, absolutely. Um, no, Patrick's um, – I will be the first to say that I've been very critical of Patrick Line. Have you really? That's so strange. I had no idea. I'm going to clip every – when he signs long-term, I'm taking every single one of your critical takes I from, like, the first I don't think that season. this is fair once you hear what I'm about to say. That's fair. Um, because I actually took a lot from Patrick's interview and a lot of things that I don't think that I ever considered – with him i mean until up until this year and i think one of the things that we'll talk about in a little bit in regards to elvis is that i think something that makes players sometimes want to be places or people in general want to be places is how your surroundings react when you go through something horrendous like the death of a parent, the death of a best friend, traumatic related events. And I think something, and I mean, Patrick said it before, like before the passing of his father, like he likes being in Columbus, like blah, blah, blah. But I think the way that the team supported and rallied around him after his father died, I think has made a very big impression on him and i think patrick is a very young man he's very far away from his like core family because all of his family lives over in finland and i think as he's coming into being an adult and realizing sort of like what is important and yes like certain things like obviously are important, but having a support system and people that believe in you and people that will support you in regards to like the things that you're going through off of the ice, I think have become a much bigger priority to him. And I just think that that is, that is again, I'm not blowing smoke. I, I've really been just very impressed with how these players have reacted to the organization. And that makes me feel very proud that we that this is an organization that can make players feel that way. And I think that we will potentially hear similar things from Alexander Texier um, in his return to Columbus. Um, like, And so I think that that was really a turning point for Patrick. But one of the other things that I took note of was they made some, I can't remember which reporter, but it might've been 40, 
made a comment about Patrick being more of a playmaker and this this season and like being not necessarily like the just the scorer and he asked it in such a way that made it sound like that wasn't how Patrick was all the time and Patrick's response was I don't think that this is new I think that this is something that I've always strived to be I've always strived to be the kind of player that is skillful, but is also collaborative. That is also a quality teammate. That is also looking out for the other people on the ice. He's like, I just think that the media teams, they hold on to this part of my game. And he he basically alluded to being sort of pigeonholed as this, inc- you know, and he is, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying that he isn't, but he has gotten pigeonholed. And I think our fan base and definitely Winnipeg can be guilty of this as well. Pigeonholding him into being simply a goal scorer, simply a sharpshooter, a lone wolf type player. And I think now that he's in an environment where he feels comfortable and supported, he wants to be known as a well-rounded player. And he wants to be known as a player that makes his team better and isn't just in it. He's like, it's great to have like your own individual stats, I guess, but it doesn't mean anything if your team's not doing well. Like he literally said that like, And that to me was very like eye opening because, and I'm, this is just all conjecture, but like, I think that something that is difficult sometimes for young players like Patrick is when they start out really, really hot and become an entity instead of a person. They become, cause even they ask, what's it like being Patrick Line again? And I think that that can be hard for these super, for anyone really, but like, especially for these super young guys who maybe haven't had the most traditional upbringing, who haven't had, whose life has been hockey. And then to suddenly become this entity instead of yourself. And then when that's not going the way people think it should be going, your whole persona your whole self comes into question and so I think it's it's really great to see Patrick wanting to reclaim himself as a person and reclaim who he wants to be looked at as a player so that was like really something that I thought was really great from his from his ex interview and I hope that more people can see it. And I, and I do, I, I firmly believe he wants to be in Columbus long-term and he has, he has bought into what they want to do here. And hopefully, I mean, I trust Yarmo. So I don't think, I don't think we we really need to worry that we're not going to get something done with Patrick this summer. Totally agree. And I think, it's just a reminder that we have to like always tell ourselves about player, 
like person first, not like player first. And I think, and, and honestly, in some ways it's probably unfair to like folks like you and I who like have told ourselves that we're going to get on a microphone twice a week and talk about the blue jackets and talk about the players and stuff like that. Like sometimes that lends itself to forgetting or not like intentionally analyzing and reflecting on the fact that these are our people first. And so good reminder, definitely a good reminder there. And uh, I won't give you, I, I still might put together the Patrick line, a clip when he signs, I think it could be really good. But I'll also include this part of your full circle, like store, like bookending your dilemma with Patrick Lyon. Uh, I feel like you've now closed that chapter of your life with that decree. And so I'm very excited about that for you. Um, and, and I think another like stark reminder of, of humanity and like of, of players being people before their players is, is Ellis Merzlikens exit interview. Obviously a lot of the things that he talked about were things that, you know, have been talked about before just in terms of his processing with and uh, dealing with the loss of Matisse Kivlenix this summer. And also the relationship that he's developed um, with Manny legacy, the goaltending coach with the Columbus blue jackets. I think that that probably became like even more illustrated in this exit interview. Although I think, it's pretty clear to see um, just in the way that those two interact, uh, you know, referring to him as, as daddy at one point, which is trivializing it <laughs> a little bit more out of, it's kind of out of context. The way that, that I That's cried. The way that I cried. Yeah. I don't know if y'all know this, but Laura's emotional. That's why I decided I was going to take the Elvis part to start <laughs> because she's already crying. She's actually starting to cry already um, because I'm like, let me like get through this. So that way, like Laura doesn't have to, to worry about crying on <laughs> on the show but yeah i mean just like in talking through again kind of like the the grieving process and like the importance of being in an environment this understanding of where you're at and what you need and feeling comfortable to express where you're at and what you need to somebody in your darkest moments specifically talking through you know a stretch right before the holidays where elvis was really struggling and you know confided in, in Manny with that information and that Manny like advocated for, like went to Brad Larson, shared with Brad Larson, the situation, like brought Elvis in, like had a conversation Elvis didn't start. And if you'll remember, right. And I think this goes right back to the thing that you just said, right. About people first. If you remember, right. Elvis Merzlikens did play on new year's day. He was not supposed to play on new year's day. He was supposed to back up. Daniel Tarasov, who got injured in that game. And when Elvis Merzlikens replaced him, Elvis struggled. And he struggled because of the things that we now have context of, which is I just wasn't there. Like I like was physically there, but mentally like I was not present in the space. And I think that all of us can relate to that. Like I think in some way, shape or form, all of us can relate to moments where you're just present and you're just going through the motions because you know that you have to be but in reality, like you're just not able to fulfill that. And that doesn't make him a, a less talented hockey player. It doesn't make him, you know, anything other than a human being. And I think that that was really important to, to talk about through his exit interview. And I've always admired this about Elvis. And I think you'll agree is that he's never been afraid of talking about his emotions. Like he's not like, whether it's highs or lows. And this is even before the passing of Matisse is like, he's been very transparent and open, which I've always really appreciated about him. I think that's why fans gravitate toward him. And 
him sharing that I think is really important when we talk about mental health and hockey. And I really appreciated that perspective. I think also like just the, the loving parts of, of his exit interview and talking through just how, how much he loves a man legacy and the relationship that they've developed with one another. Again, like referring to his life as, as mom and, and again, Manny as a father figure and, you know, saying that I feel comfortable telling Manny to fuck off, but I don't really feel comfortable telling Brad Larson to fuck off. That was a nice little like element of like jovialness in that too. And I really enjoyed that. And, you know, I, and then you think about the things that I, I think you and I even talked about this beforehand. Like you and I both have worked with, with students uh, that, you know, and not to say that Elvis is a student, but like we've both worked in situations where like we have to think about things like post-traumatic stress disorder. And we have to think about things like, like grief or depression or anxiety, these things. And then like hearing Elvis talk about things like, you know, the, the cannon blast as being like a triggering and, a, and a, like triggering his PTSD to a really traumatic moment. Like not only losing his friend, but also like probably fearing for his life as well when that occurred, like things like that, that like you and I had talked about off the air prior to, and like kind of getting more context and understanding of like how that might've also affected him in that space. Like, I'm just really appreciative of, of Elvis to let us in like that. Um, kind of like just re- returning back to the hockey side, talking about how Manny and his relationship, you know, the reason that Elvis is, is an NHL goaltender and the reason that he is going to be an NHL goaltender for an extended period of time, especially in Columbus, is because of Manny Legacy. And it's because of the way that he challenged him to be better, to adapt to North American ice, even though Elvis said he had no interest in it. He called his... <laughs> his coach back in Switzerland and said, this guy's trying to like change my entire game. Like I can't do it. Um, but a, a really enlightening and, I, and I'm rambling, but a really enlightening exit interview from Elvis. And again, I just share my appreciation for him to let us in in that way, because I know it's not easy to be vulnerable. And, and he was, and he continues to be. And a lot of people are going to be, reassured by that and a lot of people are going to t- find a lot of meaning in his ability to do that just did it again in my head um i completely agree i was gonna i was gonna do my catchphrase apparently um i completely agree with everything um that you just said and obviously i i told you earlier i cried from like start to finish in elvis's interview because I just, I am very emotionally attached to him, which is ridiculous, but also, like, well-meaning. I will not go into detail, but I am a trauma survivor. I have post-traumatic stress disorder, um, as well as a slew of other things that make everyday life very interesting to deal with. Um, It's something that was beneficial for the days that I was working with college students because these are a lot of things that um, college students who seek out counseling or help or assistance are oftentimes going through certain similar situations or they've never had resources like that or anyone who they can relate to. And so hearing Elvis be so open um, and honest and forthcoming, he's always been this way, but even more so how important it is whether he realizes it or not, how important it is that he is open and honest about that. And I saw some um, sort of talk on social media regarding like 
why didn't the Blue Jackets like come to him and say, we won't do the cannon or why didn't, you know, did the Blue Jackets know the Blue Jackets pro Yarmo himself said he did not know that Elvis had issues with the cannon blast until after his exit interview the other day. Here's the thing. Um, most of the time people in my experience and in other people that I've known or worked with that have issues with, with post-traumatic stress, like, or trauma, you're not exactly like super forthcoming with the things that can trigger certain reactions. You also may not know if something is going to trigger you. That's the piece I was going to say. Yeah. Just in talking through like my own grief and trauma, there are things that happen and I'm like, Oh shit. Like, do you know what I mean? And like, it's just not the forefront of your brain because you've got 400 other things going on. And, you know, Kibbe's death happened the 4th of July in the season. You know, he probably didn't hear the cannon until he probably didn't hear anything of that nature until that first game. Like there would not, there wouldn't necessarily be any reason why he would like, and so you just don't know. And it's also one of those things where, and I feel like not knowing Elvis personally, but like, getting kind of a sense of how he is as a person. Like, I feel like he very much so would have been like, okay, I need to figure out how to not necessarily get over it, but how to manage his reaction when the cannon goes off. And he said himself, he said, I worked through it. Now when the cannon goes off, I'm happy because it means we scored um because i'm sure it triggered his fight his fight or flight instinct um and obviously that's not a great thing necessarily to have triggered during the opening of a hockey game um <laughs> like when you're out on the ice by yourself on the one end of a rink like it's just not great but it 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 goes to the strength of elvis um his perseverance and his you know just wanting to find a way to live his life with his trauma. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's just such an important thing. I, I, it is similar to the work that Robin Lehner has done with his own honesty about his mental health, um, things that Carrie Price has been doing in regards to his circumstances, like seems to be goaltenders that are really out there and open <laughs> um, with their struggles. Um, but I, I just think it's important. And I think, you know, Elvis has a, a lot of really young fans. Uh, and I, I just think that his, his honesty and his perspective are going to go a long way. So, but I just love him. And I am so excited to see how he performs in the world championship for Lafayette. So. Yeah, and something that wasn't talked about in his exit interview, but is is just a, another piece of information, is that he'll wear number eighty um, as he's playing for Team Lavia in the World Championship, which is a really cool honor to Matisse Kivlinix, who, in his last hockey game, shut out. I actually don't know if it was his last, but in his last like major moment as you know, as a hockey player, you know, he he beat Canada. Did he shut out Canada? Yeah, shut out Canada. I mean, come on, like, and and to put on eighty, and to to do that is gonna be really cool. 
But, you know, as we look at, you know, we, we kind of touched a little bit on Brad Larson in terms of, you know, his conversations or other players' conversations about him and then also his reaction to Boone Jenner, uh, you know, being out. I, I You know, those are kind of the key takeaways for me when I think about his conversation. I think it's very clear that Brad Larson – has every intention to make this team better. I think he's excited for what's to come. I got that message from Yarmo as well. Just like an overall excitement of what's to come uh, in in the next few years for this team. And I think a lot of people had a lot of doubts about Brad Larson being the head coach of this team. I think he kills things like this, like like exit interviews and things like that, like showing his personhood and showing showing his brain as a hockey coach. I think he thrives in moments like this. And so obviously I think the exit interview for him was really great as well, just to hear his thoughts on how the season went and to, to get a little bit of insight about what was going on with the Boone Jenner situation, him sharing a very emotional reaction to, to Boone, to talking about Boone Jenner and his situation shows that he really loves these guys and that he really has their best interests at heart. And so uh, biggest takeaways for me from Brad, but what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I think both with Brad and with Yarmo, kind of standard. Yarmo's particular was like very standard questions he's been getting all season long. When are you going to sign Patrick? Um, what do you, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do about this? Like things we've all heard Yarmo be asked all season. Um, I think the only new thing was like that they're continuing the renovation of the locker rooms and. So part of the arena is going to be out of use for all of the off season um, and the importance of those upgrades. That was really like the most interesting part of that. But when it comes to Lars, the thing that I took away aside from his emotional response to, um, you know, Boone Jenner and just like you said, how good he is in these sorts of moments my favorite thing was when they asked him, how was your first year? Like, how did you feel about your first year? And he very quickly said, it's not my job to give myself a grade, but I freaking loved it. He's like, I just, he's like, I loved it. He's, I, you know, and you could see in his face and in his reaction, like obviously the season maybe didn't go exactly how he planned but I think he has a team that he is really proud of I think he has a coaching staff that he can be really proud of um especially when you lower level coaches had to you know step up in in situations especially in regards to like when most of the well most of the coaching staff ended up getting COVID like you know I think he really saw his team like step up in really crucial moments and um, I think he's excited. I think, you know, most people last summer leading up to his first press conference, which again was when Lars thrives is in these situations, like his, you know, first press conference as the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets was one for the books. I mean, if you didn't feel motivated and inspired after that, like you weren't listening. So like, cause that man and just his reaction to, to everything that has happened from that moment. I mean, Elvis said Lars was the first person he saw the day after Kivy died, like immediately, like that morning, cause 
Kimmy passed away pretty late at night on the 4th of July and Lars was right there that morning to be there for Elvis and to be there for Manny. And, you know, he's, he has proved himself worthy of this head coaching position. And I, for one, and I think I speak for Jeremy too, I'm excited to see what year two has in store. Yeah. I'm, incredibly excited to see where he goes. Like, he's the kind of guy where, like, if the Jackets make the playoffs next year, which is not, like, to me, outside of the realm of possibility, he's absolutely going to get votes for Coach of the Year. Why did I just forget the name of that trophy? Jack Adams. He, wow, that was tough. Uh, yeah, absolutely he'll get votes. And I think, like, even still this year, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a vote or two just from the sheer over – overachievement that the team had, like you know reached outside of you know i think the columbus market didn't think that this team was going to be a bottom feeder but like you said the rest of the league did and so brad larson just absolute top top notch job coaching this team also coaching them through a difficult season right like like the dynamics of like having to bring a team together that like well like you know i don't want to dive too deep into the to assessing Brad Larson, but like all of that culminating in his exit interview where he showed so much about how much he loved being the head coach of this team and how much he's looking forward to the future, I think is basically the best way to describe it. And I think it's one of the best ways that we can wrap up this show. So uh, man, an hour and 20 minutes talking about exit interviews. We appreciate you for sticking around for it because uh, we had a lot of big thoughts tonight. This is a really thoughtful and meaningful conversation i feel like sometimes we end these shows and i'm like i don't know what we talked about but this episode like i'm like wow like we like covered a lot here a lot of good things and uh hopefully you all feel the same way uh because we would just be absolutely devastated if you didn't so uh we're gonna wrap this one up laura tell us where the good folks can find us so that way they can catch up on all of the subjectively speaking content I'm just going to say that every second that I tried to start the sentence started with the tick that you pointed out earlier and I need to figure out other way to start sentences. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But yes, you can, you can follow us on social media. Um, We are on Twitter and Instagram at subjectively pod. You can follow us on Facebook at subjectively speaking uh, you can also, if you want to learn more about us and about the show, we have this really beautiful website that Jeremy designed, and that is subjectivelyspeaking.com. We mentioned merch a little bit ago, um, haphazardly, but if you do want to grab yourself some Subjectively Speaking merchandise, you can visit our merch store at subjectivelyspeaking.threadless.com. We will yeah, eventually for sure, be- for sure, and yeah, absolutely, stickers coming your way. um but we will yes hopefully be adding some new merch designs over the course of the off season um maybe getting rid of a few so there might be like some flash sales who knows might get crazy in the off season with merch uh and then lastly you can rate review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. We're not sure why they matter, but they do. So every rating helps us get 
noticed in the hockey podcast charts, as well as for anyone who is looking for some quality hockey podcast content, uh, we want to show up in their feed. So other than that, we just love and appreciate you all so much. That we do. And until we get the chance to talk to you next time, a really fun one coming up for you next week. We're going to have our first, we still haven't decided which one you're going to hear first, but we're going to have our first ever episode where we're both not on it. Well, one of us is going to be on it, but uh, not both. Say, that would be on. weird if we were letting someone else host our show. But Yeah, Steven's just going to do it all by himself. But our friend Steven Shrek will be here leading our exit interviews. Uh, so that way we can go into this offseason in style before we start doing some player recaps. But look forward to those. That'll be fun. I just took a look at Steven's preview questions, or I took a preview of his questions, and there's some good ones. I'm really excited to, to put some thought into these and to share with you all my thoughts, and I know Laura is, is coming from the same place. And so uh, we're looking forward to releasing that next week. Uh, it'll be a dealer's choice on which one you hear first, but you'll hear one of those on Tuesday. You'll hear one of those on Friday, but until we talk to you next Tuesday, I hope you all stay well, enjoy some playoff hockey and we will talk soon. Bye.